chocolate. 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 Hey, chocolate lovers. So we're off this week, but in preparation for next week's episode on home chocolate making, I have a clip from an interview I did with John from Chocolate Alchemy, which is the centerpiece of next week's episode. And in this clip, John discusses the cornucopia of options in cacao these days, as well as a compare and contrast of cacao versus coffee, and how much they really do overlap. Uh, You didn't ask this, but it just comes to mind. Um, We were actually so privileged right now. My rejection rate for cocoa right now has plummeted. There's so much great cocoa out there. Back eh, six years ago, I probably rejected, I don't know, 40% of the samples I got, 50%. And it, and it, it was hard work finding even samples. Eight, 10, boy, I have to keep going backwards. 10 years ago, it was hard just getting enough samples. And a lot was just commodity crap there we are to say it. it was crap what we have now is a wealth of of good beans and so it's a matter of finding what suits your tastes also so a uh, really great place to be in right now there's there's not much bad i mean there's some i turned down some and actually i turned down more now because the market can only support so much good and if a, a particular one doesn't stand out from the crowd it languishes and so I'm not really turning it down because it's bad, but I'm turning it down because it's not distinctive. And that's just that's kind of business decision and totally off topic from where you just asked. <laughs> yeah, but that's something that I want to address in like most of the next several episodes, because I've now talked to three or four people who've mentioned the abundance of quality cocoa that I as a consumer wouldn't have realized. Like I. I've just started noticing this idea of cocoa brands and that there are certain cocos that people use that a lot of people use, like cocoa camellia, for example. And right. On the consumer end, that's not something I would have ever like thought of, that there needs to be sort of more chocolate makers. Yeah, well, and even, even camellia, I think of. I mean, they're, they're, they're high on the list. They're, they're fantastic, frankly. I mean, a lot of what I have right now is it would be stuff nobody recognizes. I'm working with uh, probably half of mine are are just through people have searched me out due to the Internet. And they're like, I have this. Would you like some? You know, four four different Mexican cocos I have right now are just from people hunting me down. I don't even look for samples anymore. Uh, but, you know, that, too. Um, I'll just toss this out and see if it resonates with anybody. The other side of that coin that new makers sometimes run into and that the, these producers are running into as a problem is, I don't know whether you want to call it a, a short attention span, but again, they're trying to, the new makers, some of the new makers, are trying to come up with new origins to be different because, you know, ev- not everybody, but everybody has Camille. Everybody has Madagascar. Again, they're just trying to set themselves away and apart. And a lot of the producers are are running into that problem that they aren't selling as much as they wanted because people, in a way, they've almost oversaturated a little bit. 
it, it's something we have to watch out for. Don't always keep looking for the new next best thing. Again, comes back to why are people eating the chocolate? Because it tastes good. <laughs> so do do you know use the stuff you have? It's the same name. Fine. Put your mark on it. Be a maker. You know, make it stand out. You know, make it so that it excites you. I found a, well, I'm going to call it a, a semi-loose, semi-rigid correlation between the makers that are excited about what they make and their success rate. Um, those that are trying to get into it and aren't excited and are trying to find, ooh, the next new cocoa to entice their customers usually are the makers that don't succeed. Um, it's, it doesn't resonate. And a maker's excitement for what they have in their hands and what they can do with it is what seems to resonate with customers who are buying their product. Yeah, I've gotten the same sort of message from from someone else I've talked to about like too many people are starting to switch origins because they want like the next season's origin or they yes. just want to switch it up for their customers. But I think yes. a big thing is if, if you had local chocolate makers, like you have local coffee roasters, many people compare home chocolate making to roasting your own coffee. You've done both for like well over a decade. What are the biggest similarities and differences between those two like home making processes? Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yes, well over a decade. I've actually been roasting coffee at this point, 18 years, longer than I've been doing cocoa. The really... Growing conditions are similar. Processing is completely different. Um, the main similarity, and maybe it's it probably is significantly, but uh, colored by my own background, is roasting. They are exquisitely similar, exquisitely so. The profile shapes, and what I mean by that is if you plot out the temperature of the beans versus the time, there's a particular shape that graph looks like coffee and cocoa look basically the same except cocoa is compressed into a lower range but the times are about the same cocoa's a little longer but coffee roasts up in the mid 400s is where the beans end up and for cocoa it's the mid 200s but the the philosophy, the the way you apply heat, the way you develop flavors, the way you dry them, the way you finish the roast, very, very similar, exquisitely similar. Um, that's about where it stops. That's it. The processing is just absolutely different. Uh, coffee, you do a water extraction to, to get out the solubles um, that give you your cup of coffee, and you can't do that with cocoa. We grind it all the way down in cocoa. So really, again, you know, Similar origin, similar growing conditions, but cocoa's fermented and coffee isn't. Uh, there, there's different, the, that processing style is different. So uh, people want to lump them very similar. I've, I, I can't tell you how many times people have asked me if you could uh, pull a cocoa shot on the espresso machine. And it just isn't possible. There's a whole bunch of physical characteristics that don't permit that. Do you think it goes back to that why of like why people start getting into either of the two that really interest them? Like the the two similarities are pretty big similarities. Like 
growing conditions and, and the farmers and then roasting and and like being able to manipulate flavors in that way. Like those are two of the big reasons why people get into chocolate. I they are. Um I I think it really falls more into we humans like to categorize things. And you just did it perfectly. We humans see them as extremely related. But the reality is they're not. You can get into coffee roasting for a pittance and brew coffee for a pittance. And, this, you know, it's chocolate making, sadly, is not a, a, a low-budget hobby. It is sort of a, a higher, a little bit more disposable income hobby. Um, so it's that categorization, I think it is. People go in thinking they're similar. But as soon as they're just a little deep enough, they see that they're, they're, you know, on the making side, radically different worlds. And they just, they, they educate, they get educated that that's the case. That those categories really don't overlap the way they really thought they were going to, you know? Um, so maybe it informs one for the other, but it falls apart pretty quickly, I think. Mm -hmm. 